Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. everybody and welcome to another episode of billy joel a to z today we are talking about the song los angelinos which is the second song on the first side of billy joel's third studio album entitled street life serenade although it was never released as a single it is one of the songs billy chose to include on his album songs in the attic you got it right <laughs> yes and on that album released september 14th 1981 los angelinos appears as the fourth track on the first side and was taken from a live performance at toad's place in new haven connecticut on july 10th 1980 the same place where five months later you too would perform their debut album and the hit i will follow that's Whoa. right at Toad's place. That could know. have been trivia, and you said I'm going to put it out there right up front. That's right. Well, I'll just give you a, give you a taste of what Toad's place was bringing the people back then. A taste of the Toad. A single of Los Angelinos was released in Japan in 1981. This song also appears on disc four of the My Lives compilation album. So that brings us, after all that nonsense, to our friend Christopher Bonanos who in 2015 ranked 121 Billy Joel songs, and Elon Altman will choose today what number he chose to put Los Angelinos on. I think this is one of the better songs on this album, um, and I think that Christopher Bonanos will like it. I'm going to say 28. You are completely wrong about everything you just said. Uh, He put it at 84. And I'm going to read you both blurbs today, his and Glenn Gamboa's, because they're very interesting. This is Chris Bonanos. He really didn't like L.A. much, did he? (laughs) (laughs) Not terrible, but loses a lot of points for the awkward. No one ever has to feel like a refugee. And of course, as you know, Christopher Bonanos hates and the weird rolled R delivery of Mexican reefers, 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 right? Yeah, Mexican reefers. (laughs) you know he hates that we know he hates that yeah right those criticisms are very similar to things that he said about like all you want to do is dance he didn't like that it was kind of doing a jamaican thing um just like he doesn't like the use of the word refugees here i think that's the 2015 lens of that's not a politically correct kind of phrase to use maybe and the rolling of the r's is like doing a you know like with the jamaican slight jamaican accent or even the song the in big shot right in big shot when he's got Yeah, like he's when he puts on a voice like that, a weird accent. I guess Chris doesn't like that. I didn't know he would pick up on it in this song because it's a little bit more subtle. Yes, it is. And that's why I can't believe you guessed incorrectly. You should have taken all that into consideration. It didn't matter because the song is good enough that you look past those things. Just like I like Big Shot a lot, even though he doesn't. If it has a sound effect or a rolling R, Christopher Bernanos does not care for it. (laughs) He does not care for refugees, apparently, also. Now, Glenn Gamboa from Newsday, out of 124 songs, ranks this at a 109. What is with these people? He does not care for it all. The groove is so good and the guitar riff so angry 
that it almost makes up for Joel's disdain for Los Angeles and all the people who move there in funky exile. Almost. Almost. <laughs> yeah, he was really angry about this. I don't know wow. why he'd be so upset being a, a Newsday writer, a, you know, a Long Island person that somebody doesn't like Los Angeles. We all don't like Los Angeles unless you live there. Everybody hates Los Angeles, so I don't know why he's so angry. The fans rank this set to probably where you put it around 47. Yeah, I'd put it a little higher than that, but that's fine. I can I can respect 47. I would not. I would have it probably as low as those guys, probably in the 80s. Uh, this I've never heard the song. <laughs> uh, we knew that. We knew that. Although I believe um, Paul played this a couple that's weeks right. ago, right? Okay, so that's the first time I heard it. Then I finally heard the real version in my reaction, my private reaction videos. I really enjoy the opening. I like where the bass line comes in and everything. It's a very strange song. It's something I wasn't expecting. I do not hate it. In re in listening to it a little bit over and over again, I got to like it a, a little bit more. And when I really got to like it was seeing all these garage bands. I don't know if you noticed on YouTube. There I must saw be, one. <laughs> there must be about 30 block party bands like you're <laughs> out in your house, right? That are just playing at either a wedding or a party. They seem to really like this song and they really get into it. And that made me appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, the one that I watched was by the Paul Tryon band. And like you said, they're just playing on a lawn, like at a barbecue, maybe. And well, they're rocking out to it. They're doing a, actually a great rendition. And you wouldn't expect it because they look like a bunch of dorks. Like they're one of those bands. It's like you're looking at Weezer where you're like, these guys can't be rock stars. And that's how these guys look. And they have like a backup lady singing and all this stuff. But it was really good. But then you also see people just walking down the street, oblivious to everything. Yeah, they could not the care less. I saw that, too. You're absolutely right. But, yeah, they're rocking out to it. You see, I was nodding my head the whole time you were saying that. My favorite version, of course, is the band Hot Knives when they were at Porch Fest 2015. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was a classic. But, they're, yeah, there's so the band, when they're playing it, and it's always like a trio, they're so into it. These kids that are playing it, they're just so into it. Wedding singers or whatever. They seem to love this. And it's like it's kind of like my joke when I talk about marching bands and I'm talking about the radical teacher that decides to do, you know, the first guy that decided to do Living in America by James Brown instead of, mm -hmm. you know, pomp and circumstances like this. Like, why don't we go crazy? There's a Billy Joel song that's so intense. You guys are going to love it. we're going to mix it up and people are going to come over to us like I told you to play Billy Joel. We did. That was Billy Joel. <laughs> exactly. I would have been surprised, too. I would have gone over there. I'm like, oh, I like that song. Who is that? It's Billy Joel. Now, come on, guys. Don't don't mess around with me. Right. And Billy wrote it to be like Rod Stewart. He wanted Rod Stewart to do this. And that's why he sings it like Rod Stewart. And it sounds like a Rod Stewart song. That was fascinating that he wrote it with Rod Stewart in mind. And then it made so much sense to me because the way he when I first heard it, there were two things that happened to me when I first heard it, it before doing any of the research and the, you know, back, back tracing afterwards is that I was like, wow, his voice sounds, I, I said to myself, you know, who would have been good for this is <laughs> Rod Stewart. And then I couldn't believe <laughs> when I was playing the serious XM thing and him saying, well, I wrote this for Rod Stewart. I, or I said, you know, I said like a Rod Stewart like voice would, would fit here perfectly. Cause it, I guess, I guess I, you know, caught wind to what he was uh, trying to do and, 
Rod Stewart was in our minds since we were talking about Love Touch a couple episodes ago. Yeah. So I guess I was thinking about that. The other one, somebody had mentioned that it sounds very much. And I was like trying to think, what is the sound that keeps going by? And you know, I don't care for him, but I certainly know the song, which was Fire by Bruce Springsteen. And I caught on to it. And when I read it, I'm like, oh, my God, that's the song I'm thinking of. Why is fires going through my head after I stopped playing Los Angelinos? Fire was going through my head. I couldn't figure out why. And now I when I saw it, I think that's even in its Wikipedia page. I was like, uh, "Okay, I'm not crazy. There is a correlation. Yeah, I read that. And then I looked up the song. I don't know it so well, but when I listened to it, I was like, oh, yeah, I do know this song. But look, Billy Joel wrote this song three years before Bruce Springsteen wrote Fire. And this song is way better than Fire. Fire sucks. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, Fire was a big hit for the Pointer Sisters. And I guess that's what that's the one that probably goes through my head all the time. It's a Springsteen song. He didn't want to record it. And then the Pointer Sisters did. And then and it went to number one and he got angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm riding in your car. You turn on the radio. You're pulling me close. It's funny. I look at, you know, these guys like him and, and Billy, uh, that uh, Billy was smart. He said, I want other people to record it. And he never did. Uh, so he took it all for himself, which was brilliant because it paid off. And Springsteen gave a lot of stuff away. And then he was angry once they became hits like Blinded yeah, like, by the light or uh, right. We've got tonight or we've got the we've got the night. Right. Isn't that or, what it is? Because we, the night because the night. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. It's funny, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know too much about his history, but I know that like Blinded by the Light was like the first song on his first album. And then Manfred Mann makes it like a really awesome big hit. Like way better than his version. He must have felt like I'm never going to be big. People are doing my songs better than I can. I don't know why he would feel that way. For me, I'd be like, yeah, I wrote that. I, I don't know. seems like it'd be pretty happy. And if I felt like I could write that, seems like Billy Joel and Springsteen are kind of writing machines where you have to kind of say in your mind, I'll write another one. Yeah, I, but I, then you you might think, though, OK, that works for someone else. But when I perform it, why is it not a hit? Maybe it, maybe I'm a good writer, but not a good performer. Maybe I don't have that star power. Yeah, obviously that changed for him very soon after that yeah but, like really yeah. quickly so i'm not buying any of that eh. i don't think any of these guys had any uh doubts about where they were headed they seem i think billy confident. joel had doubts i think and this i think this whole album here is about a lot of his doubts of uh this la life you know well that's true and i assume he probably had doubts right after cold spring harbor he was probably like i'm not going out nowhere i can't get a good manager but uh you're right and probably after this album which stunk you know financially, well, he says so well, yeah. financially, and then you put out turnstiles and that doesn't do well. Yeah, there probably was a lot of doubts. I don't think Springsteen ever had a, a thing that uh, where things were bad for him. You know, it seems like his albums were, you know, this is my people like these and this is the way it is and kept hitting it. Ironically, until Born in the USA, it's, it's funny, like he had the Born to Run album, which we all know was, you know, huge. And then mm-hmm. but I guess it wasn't as huge as the stranger right so it's it's still underground and then it's just so weird (laughs) that the born in the usa album which is probably most springsteen fans least favorite album became the big commercial 
Bruce Springsteen's Here to Stay Forever album. It's probably his least favorite album, too. And that's what always happens. What, what ends up being your biggest hit? Like, I'm sure Billy Joel doesn't love We Didn't Start the Fire more than so many of his other songs. You but... take that back. No, well, we'll find out in a few months. <laughs> I my guess would be Billy Joel would have to say, like, I can't believe this worked. So I'm going to say that's not the case with We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it. No, no person would just would not be sitting there like, I can't believe this is working. I can't. This is just. I came up with it the other day. I don't know what happened. I went to the library. I looked up some stuff. These idiots will eat up anything I put out. I'm that's just naming a, things. Except that's why I can't believe he only did one album after that. He'd be like, "Geez, I should just continue to put out a lot of crap." <laughs> <laughs> that's why we like him, though. He just he, he got out. He said, "I'm yeah. over," and that's it. And you got to respect it. But I, I like the journey of what we're going to take on this album. I love Billy Joel because. He is a New York. He's funny. We talk about this all the time. He says stuff about us. He talks about comedy a lot. The songs are, you know, they're a lot of them are straightforward, but a lot of them are funny and have funny overtones. And he hates L.A. And that is me all over. Uh, you know, Street Life Serenade would be my album in 2000 when I went out there and everything just went not my way. I got beaten up by that guy. You know, like I had just as bad an experience as a comedian. I just didn't put out an album about it as Billy yeah. Joel clearly had uh, for him to write an album like this. And, it's and almost like an album really, and a half. That's what I was going to say. Like two albums. Right, right. Like turns to half of turnstiles, too. Right. Until he comes back to New York. He's like, New York's great. Yeah, you're absolutely right. An album and a half about how much L.A. sucks. Yeah, you got to say goodbye to Hollywood. I've loved these days. Like, And yeah, a lot of stuff on this album. It's not all about how it sucks. It's just it, you feel this album really feels like you're in a time and a place. And I know you didn't really like Last of the Big Time Spenders. That was the first song we did from this album. But I think, like you said, this one you do like, right? I don't hate so, it. You don't hate it. Okay, so uh, you're getting the range of the kind of things that are on this album. So it'll be interesting to see what you think. I like it because it. it's a really interesting song. Uh, I like it that, you know, I think the bands like playing it because it seems like it's always fun to arrange a song with lots of piano and organ for a guitar based power trio, you know? Like, yeah. And and it's got those two like instrumental sections, the one, the outro and then the one in the middle where like the guitarist can like actually do like an electric guitar solo, which is rare for a Billy Joel song. You don't usually have things like that where a guitarist can like really just like rock out on it. Meanwhile, I'm always fascinated by people that do covers. There's a jazz band that did it, which is unbelievable. Uh, a trio. It's always a trio. I don't know why that is. And uh, th there's a jazz band that does a cover of it. It's fantastic. It's just, you know, you have to question how they know about it, where they find it, what made them think this was the one it's, uh, you know, with a, with a Billy Joel catalog. It's fascinating that we saw all these things on YouTube of people doing covers of Los Angelinos in the strangest of ways.
Well, that's the thing about the song. There's something about it that's very odd and unique. The sound of it, I love the way it sounds. Like when it starts out with the electric piano, these weird keys that are kind of at a strange rhythm, and then the band kicks in. Actually, what I like the most is the songs in the attic version where Liberty DeVito on the drums is just banging away. There's like a conversation, like a call and response where it's like, here are the keys, then here's bang, 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 and then here are the keys again, bang, 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 and then the band comes in, which is something you don't have on the original studio version. You know what? Now that I'm thinking of, I'm, now I have to go on through it. Bum, ba da da dum, da 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 dum. That's why I'm thinking of fire. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that's the part that makes it sound like fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm whole rhythm just, throughout the whole song. While we were talking, I was just thinking, right, right. I was, I was trying to get that part again, and now I know it done. Da, 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 da. Plus, of course, he mentions the word electric babies, which um, is my favorite lyric of all time, I think, because it reminds me of chocolate babies. <laughs> Actually, I was surprised that Bonanos didn't like the refugee part and didn't point to that line. The electric babies, blue jeans and jaded, such hot, sweet schoolgirls, so educated. It's such a like an underage groupie kind of sounding line that he would, that's the part to me that sounds out of place in the song and a little electric anachronistic. Babies. Electric babies. Yeah, but it also feels like totally something that Rod Stewart would sing. Such hot, sweet schoolgirls. That is yeah. such a Rod Stewart line, you know? And also somebody mentions that, you know, again, and this is why I like Billy Joel, they compare him to Woody Allen and Annie Hall. That he's a fish out of water in Los Angeles, and Annie Hall is the goddamn greatest. And, uh, you know, Woody Allen's depiction of L.A. is my depiction of L.A., and uh, same as Billy Joel. So it's just kind of funny that people just have these awful experiences there. Meanwhile, it's it's so nice and pleasant there. I don't know why it's not a better experience. The weather's always perfect. It's 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 pretty. It's clean. I, I, I don't know why it's such a bad time. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that is similar to Woody Allen is the love of hot, sweet schoolgirls. <laughs> So listen, you've been to L.A. a bunch, way more than I have. What what are these exotic massages in garages? What's going on in these garages? I have no idea. Maybe that was in the 70s. I know nothing about it. It was just like they were like happy endings right in here. I guess probably before right, before they moved to just different storefront locations, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what a I, seedy I, place. My hairdresser in L.A. cuts hair in her garage, so I guess that's a thing in L.A. A lot of stuff happens in people's garages because people like us, like you and your wife would have you'd probably have a house like a small house instead of having an apartment. Mm -hmm. So I guess that, you know, more people have garages. There is certainly not a New York thing. Well, actually, my um, my cousins who grew up in East Meadow um, at one point, one of my cousins was running a, a nail salon out of their garage. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, so it does happen here, too. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So that's the thing. And I remember, like I said, my, uh, the girl that cuts my hair did it right out of her garage. It's, it's actually it's the best. I love it. <laughs> I love garages. I miss having one. My uh, friend uh, Dave Elliott lives down the shore and his he's just totally decorated his garage. I mean, yes. Is it for cars? Yes. But it's totally de decorated with Grateful Dead stuff. Yeah, and it's that's, cool. It's fun to it's like uh, it's the man cave, right? That's yeah, I think it's the one place your wife won't care if you just put all the stuff she hates in there as long as you can park the car. Yeah. So this song resonates with me because I started listening to it last February when I was living in Florida. You know, all last winter during COVID, my wife and I moved to Florida for like four months straight. And for a month of it, we were just like living in a hotel. And it was a very weird existence to be there just to be in a hotel for so long. And then I started listening to this song because I was getting into this album. 
And when he has the lines like, you know, to live in sunshine, their funky exile, like that felt like me. I was like living in a sunshiny kind of place, but also felt like I was in exile from New York City. And there was one day where I just listened to this song on loop like 30 times in a row, which I don't recommend. I think 15 times tops is good. But so this song, I just, it just really hits me it's, for some reason. Like the, the time and place where I was listening to it at first is why I think I like it so much. Well, that could be, you know, any song resonates with a person with their, when they're in the perfect time and place. But you were a fish out of water where you were living. This is a fish out of water song and album. So it would make sense that this entire album, apparently, uh, you know, if you're somewhere where you're not supposed to be or you're misplaced in your life at the moment, this album would make a lot of sense to anybody listening to it that's displaced from their regular home or what they know. Yeah, absolutely. They know who else loves this song? Mr. Howard Stern. He does? Yeah. Yeah, he said he's, he remembers listening to it in his dorm room and he loves it. And uh, that made me feel good. I was like, all right, me and Stern have the same kind of thing about Billy Joel. Well, that's for sure. We know Howard loves Billy Joel. And I think they're very, they've become very close over the years, both Long Island guys. And that's why it's great when he has Billy on the show all the time. It's the only reason I'm not getting rid of Howard now. I think I've had it, but uh, he always has Billy Joel on. So it's hard to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When he had him on in 2014, Billy actually sang this song on the air in a way that sounded much more like Rod Stewart than even like the studio version. Because he was talking about how he wrote it for Rod. He hoped that Rod would do it. And then he like gave it even more Rod. Uh, it was pretty cool to hear. Alon, besides what we hear on Songs in the Attic, has he ever played this song live? Not a lot. Um, he's played it seven times that, that we know of on the Internet. From 1976 to 1981, basically that songs in the attic tour. He played it like two, you know, the glass houses tour. Yeah. Um, he played it three or four times, maybe with the, from the shows. I think that they were recording for uh, songs in the attic. Like, for example, the, the music video. It's cool. It has an official music video from that from 1981. That's not actually the studio recording on songs in the attic. It's like you said, the songs in the attic version was from Toad's Place. The live video is from Sparks. Right. And Sparks, where he recorded a bunch of stuff for a live video. But the qu- I wonder why he doesn't do this live more often, only because if he chose this as one of the songs he wanted to put in Songs in the Attic, I'm surprised he doesn't pull it out of retirement every once in a while and play it, since he clearly thought this was a good one I want to show off to people. Remember, when you look at that Songs in the Attic album, where you know, talking about the ones he was like, I need people to see these particular songs to move on in my career. And he chose this one. So you, I don't know. I'm just like, that's why I'm like, you know, why this one and why if you liked it that much and you think it plays well live because you put it on a live album, why not bring it out more often? Yeah, it just doesn't even make sense. Like you're saying, like he, there's only 11 songs on Songs in the Attic. He had basically four his first four albums to choose from or what to put on that album. And he picked this as one of those songs. It's great live, right? It rocks out. It gives the band a chance to really get into it. Even like the one on Songs in the Attic, the crowd obviously doesn't really know the song because this was not a hit or anything like that, nor was the album. But they're instantly like clapping along with it. Like they're into it right away. It's got that kind of groove that even if you don't know it, like you could like it. And I feel like if he gave this song a chance live, it could become a song like a Vienna or Stiletto that people like to hear live that weren't hits back in the day. I agree. But instead, what we get is, you know, the Paul Tryon band and <laughs> other people playing on, on, on lawns. Hot knives. 
Hot knives. Porch Fest 2015. <laughs> I'm trying to get a gig at Porch Fest 2022. Dude, but, it's all uh, politics. I know. I know. Fucking Porch Fest. Oh, I hate it. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper? Yes. It's weird. Okay. In 1985, Christopher Guest and Billy Crystal did my favorite SNL sketch ever that included the word chocolate babies. <laughs> I was going to say, what sketch was that? I don't know. The, okay, keep going. keep going. Oh, it's a classic Jackie Rogers Jr. wad of cash, I think it's called, uh, sketch. It's one of my favorite sketches of all time. Billy Crystal playing Sammy Davis Jr., and Christopher Guest playing the it's a like a like a password episode. We have to or twenty thousand dollar period. We have to give clues. Um, Jim Belushi as Captain Kangaroo, and uh, Martin Short as Jackie Rogers Jr. It's a it's a really really fun episode. Uh, sketch in this episode. Okay. But the question I'll, is, I'll check it out. Who was the host of that episode? Who was the host of that famous sketch? It's a legendary episode. Who was the host? The clues. Or he is now and forever known as the best superhero who Barbara Streisand named her 1977 album after in which she covered New York State of Mind. What? I bought it back. Thank you. Okay. He's known as the best superhero ever. Yes. And Barbara Streisand named an album after him. Well, not a well, technically, technically the same name is his name. No, the superhero that he played. Oh, okay. Um, mm. It's the best superhero of all time. Is it Christopher Reeve? Yes! <laughs> the answer being Superman! Oh, Superman! <laughs> but you know, you got it all right. The album's named Superman, but Christopher Reeve is the correct answer. He was the host in this amazing... You know, once in a while, you get these great episodes of Saturday Night Live when there's a good host and he just had, uh, you know, him, Peyton Manning, you know, like all their sketches were good. They were yeah. good hosts and good sports. And once in a blue moon, you just get a really good episode, you know, after all these years. And that was one of them. And this sketch is unbelievable. Christopher Reeves not even in the sketch. It was one of the best sketches of all time. Chocolate babies. All right. Very good. The category is. Oh, let me find it. Corn of plenty. Sammy, describe these foods, if you will, sir. Ouch. Okay, this is the thing you eat at the movies. It comes in kernels. You heat them up in oil. Popcorn. Right. <laughs> this is a little hot, spicy number. Rita Moreno. <laughs> no, babe. It comes from a cucumber. They let it sit in a barrel with its brother so it becomes something else. A caterpillar. <laughs> Let's uh, move on. This is an opera dinner kind of thing. Dessert, three layers, icing on top. Japuti. <laughs> no, babe. Say you're in heaven, you're flying around, you got a little halo, you're... Dead. Yeah, but you did a lot of good stuff. You're... Blessed. Yeah, but you got the wings, the halo. You're going from cloud to cloud. I don't know. What is it? Next. Uh, this is... Uh... Chocolate babies? Right. <laughs> Good. Was was that the episode where Christopher Reeve does that sketch where he's like auditioning for yes. Superman? Yes, <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, it's a cla- with uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, I believe. Yeah, well, I'm gonna check that out. I yeah. love those classic sketches. I didn't know Barbara Streisand that Superman album with an iconic cover of her in a very sexy Superman shirt. I didn't know New York State of Mind was on it. Seventy-seven, so it came up right after The Stranger. I mean, it, you know, it, that was the seven. I, I, yeah, I don't even know how she. She, she must have just heard New York. State. No, oh, that's right. That's from Turnstiles. Oh, that makes sense. It adds yeah, up. yeah. But still, right. I mean, it's cool that she heard it and was able to record it because that may, maybe that was like before The Stranger, but she still heard that song on Turnstiles and liked it. Yeah, yeah. Bill, little Billy Joel cover, Barbara Streisand. Is it a good rendition? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I've never heard it. Isn't that weird? Well, it's not that weird. Who wants to hear Barbara Streisand sing that song? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Alon. <laughs> All right. It's so much better with the video, seeing you do that versus just hearing it. <laughs> People don't realize what they're missing. I had another trivia question. It was going to be a Woody Allen, but you wouldn't know, I don't think. I don't know if you know Annie Hall backwards and forwards. I was going to say, what foods does he order at the cafe while he's in Los Angeles? Uh, bagel with locks. No, no, it's much. No, he's making fun of the people that live in L.A. So he orders something. Uh, cantaloupe. No, he's at a health food restaurant. So uh, he orders um, alfalfa sprouts and a plate of mashed yeast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would not have gotten that. It just that's how it opens. The waitress comes and she doesn't even have a line. He goes, "Uh, yeah, I'll have the uh, alfalfa sprouts and a plate of mashed yeast. (laughs) And she just walks away and the the food never comes and he just leaves. It's it's only there for the line to make fun of L.A. and their stupid health food stores, Mm -hmm. which ironically now. I think Alga, uh, our friend Alga, who's a comedian, Alga Namer, served me a plate of mashed yeast at her house um, the other day. She's like a vegetarian or vegan, and she she made some. That <laughs> yeah. can't be a thing. I think it's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Do you have a trivia question for me? Yes, I do. Mine is about Rod Stewart. Excellent. My question is. Love touch. What? <laughs> Correct. Legal Eagles. Robert Redford. <laughs> Damn it. How did you know? I just had a feeling. What childhood hobby did Rod Stewart share with Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos and Reverend Lovejoy from The Simpsons? Trains. That's correct. Yeah. He's huge into model trains, even today as an adult. That is weird. Apparently, at his L.A. house, he has a model that is 23 feet by 124 feet. Wouldn't that be funny if we went over his house and we saw the thing? We're like, dude, you're never going to get laid with this. <laughs> you see that? You really think so? Yeah, I'm positive. Rod, I'm, just, I'm, I'm being a friend. <laughs> yeah, models don't like this, Rod. It's not going to work for you. Models don't care for model trains. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's on his fourth wife and has yeah. like eight kids or whatever. Uh, and they're all really pretty. Yeah. All right, Dave, it's time for the Weird Alon parody of the day. And for Los Angelinos, what I've got is called Obrangelina. Okay. All right. I was cringing at first, but uh, I think that's that's exactly the correct parody. Thank you. I, I, I don't know what you can say. That's, a, that's perfect. All right. Here we go. The only way you can screw this up is by singing it now. Good night, everybody. No, go ahead. <laughs> Everyone just imagine what it's going to be about. Boy, <laughs> will it be fun. Oh, Brangelina, the hottest couple. 
see them at the newsstand on every cover. The paparazzi hide in their bushes. I love their movies, except the last one. Go on exotic vacations to the third world nations, doing charity to help out the refugees. Bringing home a new child, Brad Pitt's going wild, trying to remember each kid's name. Hey now. Wow. That was good. That, I can't believe you put in all this. You added in the word refugees. I think the one flaw to your song was that you said the paparazzi's hanging out in the bushes. And then I was kind of hoping that you would be talking about their tushes. Thank you. Yeah. The weird thing about the song is it doesn't. That is funny. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't really rhyme a lot of the lines together. So I didn't. I, I felt it might. Oh, you were help. going like, well, Billy doesn't do it. So why should I look at? Yeah, you. I try to follow the rhyme scheme he's going to use. And in this case, it's, it's, there's not a very clear one, except for in that um, second. But section. the tushes would work when you're talking about Angelina Jolie and, and Brad Pitt. So, yeah, you know, the, the line would have actually tushes. worked, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which ironically makes them so popular. I'm doing it again for your enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Paul Lind, everybody. <laughs> How are you, everybody? Well, folks, that was Los Angelinos. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Should I have used tushes to rhyme with bushes? Have you ever eaten chocolate babies? Have you ever gotten an exotic massage in a garage? And can you please put in a good word for us with the organizers of Porch Fest 2022? We'd really like to do a live podcast there. Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Jeskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Yeah.